Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge on sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. So today we are talking about the art of closing sales, mastering the closer's mindset. And The Closers, written by Ben Gay III, is one of the most famous and powerful books on closing sales ever written. It's a comprehensive guide to the art and science of sales, closing, covering everything from mindset and communication skills to tactics and techniques. And today, Ben shows up with questions that people have been asking. And by the way, if you're listening, please ask us questions, whether they're about sales, whether it's about business, whether it's about podcasting, we're here to help. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Good morning, Denise. How are you? I'm peachy. <laughs> you know what that means. Southern, yeah, I know what it means. <laughs> but I, I won't uh, translate for our Yankee listeners. Uh, no. They, well, there's they two peaches. Yeah. Well, sometimes it is. It depends on the tone. If we say, oh, I'm peachy, it's all good. <laughs> you know, you can stay within three feet of me. But if I say, I'm peachy, go to another zip code and do it really quickly because I'm in no mood. <laughs> I used to have a friend who owned a bar and, and uh, his uh, tagline for getting rid of people was they'd be talking about whatever. And he would slap a, a quarter on the bar in front of them and say, here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. Didn't it used to be a dime? Well, it was, but it was a quarter by the time he was doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the dime era, but that has long come and gone. I don't think you can even find a payphone anymore. I haven't seen one I've in seen Yeah, I've seen a few that they didn't bother to come back and get. Uh, they're not connected to anything. I've picked up the phone, and and there's no change. It's been so long. There's no change in that little box. I still would be inclined to check that. That's what you did as a kid. I'd make a dollar a week checking the change box. (laughs) And see, when I used to see a a payphone, I would think, okay, where's Superman? Where's Clark Kent? I know something's going to happen here. It just didn't occur to me that, you know, it was for making phone calls. I thought it was a movie gag. (laughs) Well, that's super... Uh, I'm ready to go, and and to our listeners, might I suggest, if your question isn't asked and answered today, that you get your question in, and we'll get it next time or the time after or what have you. We hope you join us. Uh, We hope you join Denise all week long, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I think is right. Uh, I hope you join us on Wednesdays. 
and uh, be happy to answer any and all of your questions. My basic rule is I'll answer any question you have the nerve to ask. So, uh, which has led down some interesting paths over the <laughs> over the years. I bet. Yeah. And see, but my mom used speaking, to say when people would say would you know you, she could see them gearing up to ask me what she knew was an impertinent question. And she would just shake her head and say, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, crap, they did it. Because I have no filters, and if you ask me a question, you're going to get the answer, and you may not like it. Yeah, you and I both share that. I I frequently hear the answer to something that I've said as I say it. I I tell my friends, whatever I say, you and I will hear it at the same time. My filtering (laughs) device was killed at birth or something. But it doesn't. I never had one. Yeah, I didn't have one. And you know what? I just I finally learned that I have to just fess up, get it out of the way, because what I'm thinking is probably going to come out of my mouth. So there you have it. Oh, the uh, it makes for a more interesting life. It does. Have to be fleet of foot. (laughs) True. Well, the subject okay. we were going to start off with today, uh, based on a question, I have, as you know, a, a mentoring program, mentoring dynamics. I do for other people what Dr. Hill did for me when he was my personal mentor. And some of the most fascinating things come up uh, in those conversations. You and I were talking before we came on the air about getting close to the action, getting close to the ground. Uh, and I mentioned that we had a guy uh, who joined our shipping department, which has been in existence for, in various stages for about 40 years, and started saving us a good deal of money, several hundreds, if not a thousand dollars a month, by saying, "Hey, uh, why do you do it this way?" And the answer is, because we've always done it that way, because it's been going on that way so long. That's the way we do it. And the guy who's working there with you now was trained by the guy who came earlier, who was trained by the lady before that. And it just got passed down and down and down. And my favorite one is watching like a checker in a grocery store, having to work with a setup that I know was designed by somebody who never checked groceries. So get down close to the, to the ground when you're dealing with people and the mentoring clients the mentees, I guess they are, uh, the, the mentoring clients do that for me and that I've sort of been cruising along at high altitude for a long time and then they'll ask a question. I think, oh, I hadn't thought of that in a long time. And more importantly, I bet other people don't know or haven't had the opportunity to ask that. So the uh, mentoring clients are feeding a portion of what you and I do just by asking great questions. And one of them, I won't make it the question, but I'll phrase what the concept was. It was along the lines of, Ben, you seem to know everybody and anybody and and uh, so on. Does that make your life easier? And the answer was yes, but I don't know everybody and anybody because uh, it just happened. Uh, Zig used to tell the story about when somebody got to the t- type of, uh, pardon me, top of Mount Everest, 
the uh, a reporter said, well, how'd you do that? Oh, that's amazing. And Zig said, the guy never says, well, I was just out wandering around and here I am on the top of Mount Everest. It takes planning and malice and forethought and so on. I'm, my life has been filled with fascinating people from whom I've made a lot of money just talking about them. If you and I met somewhere casually and I discovered you were in business of any type, uh, it wouldn't be five minutes before you'd hear me say something like, um, you know, when I was working with the astronauts, uh, Jim Irwin, commander of Apollo 15, said, fill in the blank. And that's an attendee. You, you worked with the astronauts? I just went up 10 notches in their uh, esteem, on their esteem chart. Or um, Dr. Norman, uh, well, uh, sorry, say Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, who also worked for us, but Dr. Napoleon Hill, uh, we were having lunch one day, and he said, fill in the blank. And again, you go up about 10, if they know who he is, occasionally I have to explain who Dr. Napoleon Hill is or Earl Nightingale or any of the other good friends I had uh, working with me. Or Zig Ziglar. Or Zig, yeah. If you're in selling, you know Zig, if only by reputation. If you're not in selling, there's a very good chance you never heard of Zig. And so you have, you have to sort of test the waters and make sure. I, I have an opening line in all my talks. Um, I'm introduced, and, of course, they read the script they were given, so it always gets a standing ovation. I wrote a good script, a good introduction. And uh, when I, as soon as they settle down, they're about three-quarters of the way down into their chairs, I say, let's get this Ben Gay thing out of the way. And by their reaction to that, I can, one, tell their age. Younger, younger people don't know about Ben Gay, the product, although it's still available in your local drugstore. They don't advertise as much as they used to. And if they laugh really loudly, I know I got them. They're in. They like that joke. We're in. It's the, the uh, technique that Hal Holbrook, the old actor who just recently died, used when he did his Mark Twain presentation. He had memorized nine and a half hours of material and a word for word of Mark Twain stuff. And But he'd always walk on stage and do a little short vignette from Mark Twain. Same one every time because he knew the reaction he, he, could, he should get to it. And uh, he would tell it, and if it was a strong reaction, Super. I'm in with a group of Mark Twain aficionados, and he would reach back into his nine-and-a-half-hour vault of material and pull out the appropriate story. If they didn't laugh, then he might, or didn't react properly, then he might pull out a different story. He was able to say that after years uh, of giving that presentation, he never gave, it was a two-hour thing, including the intermission, he never once gave the exact same presentation ever uh, as a repeat because every audience changed everything. And that's the tr truth in, in my case in, in speaking. I've got, uh, I can tell you how to sell in 10 days. Uh, 
We used to have a, a program called Leadership Dynamics. It was a 10-day course. Well, four, that was a four-day course. And we had a 10-day course for the train, train the trainers. And Or I can tell you that information in three days or two days or one day or a half day or a one-hour presentation. And if you're a quick study, I can tell you what, what's the important part of what's contained in the 10 days in about five minutes. Uh, people need to explain to them different ways from different angles and want their questions answered and so on. But it always comes back to about 10 sentences of how to be successful in selling. So getting close to the ground and listening to them, I think, is of crucial importance and find out what they need to know, not what you thought they needed to know or what you know and enjoy sharing. Sometimes you're a cult of one and, uh, so you better find out what they're up to. But that question was based on, uh, I have a reputation for knowing lots of interesting people, and it's not accidental. I go find them. If I walk into a room with 100 people and there's somebody in there with a terribly interesting story or unique or uh, whatever, if you've ever been to San Francisco down by Fisherman's Wharf, there's a guy who hides behind trash cans and jumps out as people, he, he holds some bushes up in front of him, some branches, and jumps out. He's the original bushman. I see it all over the Internet now, different bushmen, fancier content, co uh, co uh, costumes, or painted silver like a statue, and then they start moving. Yeah, and scare people. see that a well, lot. That all, yeah. yeah, that all see that in New David, Orleans as well. Yeah, came from David Johnson the original international bushman. That's what his sign says, the, <laughs> the international bushman. And uh, he, he, I watched his routine and watched him scare four or five groups. And then uh, he went to take a break. There's a famous restaurant right there, Aliotto's. Aliotto's, yeah. Yeah, he goes up I knew to where you, I know, I'm not sure I haven't ever seen this guy or somebody like him, but I know where Aliotto's is. Yeah, well, within uh, 50, 45, 50 yards of where the Bushman works. And uh, he goes up to the back door, knocks on it, the door opens, and they hand him food. I don't know if, if they know what he likes or he just gets what's on the menu that day, but he, he eats. And I was watching the whole thing, and so finally I went down to where he was sitting, eating on the back porch, handed him my card. I said, Bushman, I don't mean to interrupt you. Uh, here's my card. I want you to know I'm not from the IRS. How much money do you make doing this? And this conversation, the first time I met him was probably 25 years ago. He said, oh, about 60000 a year. So that's 125000 Yeah, that's $120,000 yeah. today. And I suspect the Bushman doesn't pay uh full taxes on that. I suspect you didn't pay any taxes since you're getting your money in a Costco soup bucket in dollars, a soap bucket in dollars, and a five at the most, and so on. So anyway, I tracked him down, met him, and then I said, well, what's your biggest tip, whatever? And I think he said he got 50 once, and he, and he thought the tourist who threw it in the bucket grabbed the wrong bill. He said it really wasn't worth $50. And I said, well, I'll, I was teaching a public speaking course about a block further down the wharf. 
I said, here's $100. I want you to come in and talk to our class. And he said, okay. He didn't know what a public speaking class was, I don't think, or cared. And I wasn't sure I'd ever see my 100 again. But uh, a few minutes later, a few hours later, the manager of the hotel standing at the back of the room trying to get my attention. I said, what? I'm sorry, what? And he said, uh, you have a visitor here? And I said, well, I bring him. <laughs> Let him in. in. Yeah. And uh, I look up, and here comes the Bushman, complete with branches, the branches he was working with that day. And the, the last three or four days, he told me then he has to get new ones. But in, he came, and several of the people in the class said, how do you meet these people? I said, well, I walk up, and I said, my name's Ben Gay, and I shake their hand, and I find out what their story is. That introduces you to fantastic customers and prospects for you salespeople. It introduces you to the astronauts. I shook the hands of, I have shaken the hands of all 12 men that walked on the moon, and I know the hundreds who put them there, and I saw a thing this morning that the moon landing was a hoax. No, that pops up all the time. I know. Trust me, it, it wasn't. Uh, or if it is, it's the best-kept secret on earth from uh, with thousands of people in on a conspiracy and no one has cracked. Yeah. A cute story about that and meeting interesting people. When I went down for the launch of Apollo 14, although I didn't have anything to do with it, I was just there as an observer because a friend of mine sitting in front of me in the VIP stands was an older black gentleman and listening to people talking to him, I figured out what his story was. And then Dan Rather, a newscaster at the time, or somebody like that, Tom Brokaw, somebody came up, stuck a microphone in his face and said, uh, his name was Charlie Smith. He was brought to the United States, chained in the hold of a sailing ship and sold on the docks of Charleston, South Carolina as a slave. And he's sitting in the VIP stands watching Apollo 14 take off, one of, if not the oldest known Americans. And uh, somebody said to him, "Uh, Mr. Smith, they're going, and points out at the rocket, they're going to go up to the moon, circle the earth, go to the moon, pick up moon rocks and bring them back with them. With your long life, what do you think about that? And Charlie Smith said, if they bring rocks back with them, it's because they took rocks with them. Charlie Smith had reached the end of his new information cycle. He had seen the invention of just about everything other than wood or stone. If you can see it from where you're sitting now, it was invented since Charlie Smith came to America as a slave. And he had shut off. In fact, when somebody's trying to teach me something new about uh, computers, they all know my stories. I usually say, I'm like Charlie Smith. You fix it. You do it. I don't want to hear about how to do it. I'm Charlie Smith. Uh, I've, I've shut down that part of my learning cycle. But that's how you meet Charlie Smith. Uh, and Two minutes later, we were sitting next to each other and chattering away uh, until the rocket took off and the excitement was over. And that's how I met uh, 
Zig and I started in selling on the same, in big time selling. He was 18 years older. But we started in big time selling on the same day, having answered the same ad, and we went to a, a meeting together. That's how we met. That was sort of accidental. But the rest of them, I plotted and schemed. I find interesting people, connect with them, and get known, and I get known for that. I've had people who I barely knew introduce me to other people by saying, this is Ben Gay. He was the attitude coach for Apollo 15, 16, 17. That sticks in their mind. So I want you, salespeople, to begin building up some credentials by who you know. meeting I was on just a few days ago, uh, I told the story of when I came to this town. This town is Placerville, California, <clears throat> Northern California, where gold was discovered. I drove into this town, having been a multimillionaire and gone broke. I drove into this town in a borrowed Mercury Bobcat. Uh, driving a Mercury Bobcat was embarrassing enough. A borrowed one is even worse with a nickel in my pocket. And I had to start making friends. So I did. Among things, I became a little league coach. That made me, after four or five games, when you've played several other teams, that made me at least known to every parent of small boys and girls, mainly boys, but small boys and girls, all over the the town, all over the county. And uh, I, I try not to be... Uh, hiding behind a bush like the bushman, uh, I, I put myself out there. So if you come to an event where I am and I have some featured part in it, baseball coach might be one of them, you'll probably know who I am or wonder who I am before the game or the event is over. It's deliberate. And then as a speaker, I need to meet business people in this area. So the most dreaded job in service uh, service clubs, Kiwanis, uh, the Elks, the, the Lions, Kiwanis, whatever, is to be the program chairman. Program chairmen are nominated and elected at meetings they didn't attend. Because if they'd been there, they would have said, no, thank you, I don't have time. But the program chairman's dreaded job is to come up with an interesting speaker, preferably that they haven't heard 10 times before, to give a one-hour talk or whatever, uh, after lunch at the meeting. So I went to the phone book. Uh, that's a new concept to some of you guys on the phone. Uh, it was a book, and in it, it had phone numbers. And uh, got out the book, and I found the Kiwanis Club and the Rotary Club and the whatever, all the service clubs. And I called each of them. It turned out that I, I, I couldn't get to all of them right off the bat because I got hired every time the phone rang, every time I rang the phone. Uh, because I'd asked to speak to the program chairman. And I said, I'm a professional speaker. I've given thousands of paid presentations. I just moved to the area. I've got some interesting stories to tell. You have an opening in your schedule. <laughs> well, the opening was always, yeah, Wednesday. Or uh, if they already had a speaker book, maybe three Wednesdays from now or whatever. But in short order, I had stood up and addressed uh, sometimes two or three times because many smart people belong to several of those organizations. I had stood up and addressed 
every business leader, business owner, and elected official in El Dorado County, which is where we are. It's one of the largest counties in California, if not geographically the largest. Uh, So driving to town with a nickel in your pocket and a borrowed car, and within a month I was up and running. And the people I met through this process uh, fronted my rent for a house, fronted the rent for the office where I started the call center industry with the National Communication Center. That was all based on reaching out and getting up close and personal with people who could, hopefully I did them some good too, but people who could do me some good and help me get back on my feet and up and running. And I built a business on that. Another part B of this would be to become the go-to person. I am known among my friends and contacts as the guy with the, they call it the magic Rolodex. And it really is a physical Rolodex. It's two actually, each about a foot long. And it's jammed with cards in which you are listed either alphabetically according to your name or, and or your company name and or what you do. If you clean gutters, for instance, you're under the seas because I probably won't remember your name a year from now. And uh, so I have my personal contacts, my business contacts, and so on. And because I have that reputation, people come to me to find out how to get something done, even if they know I'm not going to be the one. uh, Ben, who would you recommend to clean your gutters if they're a local person? Ten seconds later, I'm reading them the name and phone number of the person that I use. Uh, before he died, a friend called one day and said, do you by any chance know Ross Perot's uh, phone number? And I said, no, I've met him a couple of times, but I, I don't have it. I had no reason to have it. But if it's important, I can get it for you. Would you really? on a phone, called a a friend of mine who I knew, knew Ross, got his secretary's phone number, his desk phone number, and the magic secret uh, cell phone or whatever they call it in those days that he carried in his suit pocket. And because I trusted, knew and trusted this guy, swore him to secrecy and gave him the three phone numbers about 20 minutes after he asked. Now, what does that have to do with selling? What it has to do with selling, marketing, building your business is if you're the go-to guy, I know about things before anybody else does. I get the first look at what's going on. So somebody might call looking for an investor in fill in the blank. And after I understand what it is and who, may, who maybe I should call, frequently I am the first investor. Uh, because I got first look at it. They didn't call somebody else. They called me because they knew they'd get an answer. So you get known in your town, your state, your area, your industry, or what have you, uh, by aggressively getting known. People say, well, you know, I one of those uh, lovely platitudes, I I give with no expectation of getting anything back. Well, that's fine. It's a lovely feeling. And I, too, give and enjoy giving more than getting. However, when I give, I do expect something back. Maybe not from that person, 
but from some other person who knew about it, heard about it, heard a story about it or what have you. Um, it always comes back, as the Bible says, tenfold, yea, a hundredfold. It always comes back, not from that person necessarily, not right then necessarily, but it comes back. So when I hold open a door for someone in a restaurant and wait for them, uh, especially ladies, I sometimes have to say, hurry up, ladies, I haven't got all day here to be polite. Uh, If they stop and admire the flowers while I'm standing there holding the door, I'm still known as that polite guy uh, throughout town. We were sitting on the front uh, porch, the dining area on the sidewalk of one of our favorite restaurants in downtown Placerville one day, and it was a lovely day, so we wanted to sit outside. We were right up against the railing, had my arm up where you walk, walking down the sidewalk. Technically, I guess you could have hit my arm. And uh, so we were in full view of anybody coming by, and we were just greeting people, everybody in general, and many people. Gigi's family's been here 100 years. Uh, the, uh, and and pe- some people that I knew, I've only been here 45 years. I'm a newcomer. Uh, people coming by and so on. And after about 15, 20 minutes of this, I didn't realize anybody was watching from inside the restaurant. This gentleman, well-dressed gentleman, came out and he said, excuse me. Are you the mayor of Placerville? I said, no, no God, no. <laughs> I, I know who is, <laughs> but I'm not him. Why? What have we done to you? He said, no, no, I've just been watching you. And you seem to know everybody in this town. Uh, who are you? So I gave him my card. That was, I'm making up numbers, I'm guessing 10 years ago. We still do business today because he saw me doing kindnesses to people and being courteous and so on. My point is, believe it or not, this has a point, is aggressively promote you and your talents. Get up and speak at the whatever club. Instead of having to meet them one at a time, you meet 100 people or 200 people, whatever, kaboom, all at once, and have your little script ready on what you're going to tell them and bring them something of value. And that works now with the, I'm proud of saying, or was, I'm getting less proud of saying I've given 5,000 pay, at least 5,000 paid appearances, speaking engagements, seminars, and so on over the years, and probably that many more for free with my work in prisons and churches and hospitals and so on. But uh, I, I got known and reached out, and it took 50 years to be able to say with certainty, I've given 5,000 paid appearances, 5,000 for free. I'm guessing I've been in the room where I could have and was available to shake hands with about two and a half million people. It's based on the average audience being 500, although some are 15,000, 20,000. But I figured that was about safe, so about two and a half million people. All the things I've talked about up to now are available to you on social media through the Internet. You can make these connections. I have many dear friends, and I mean dear friends, that I have never physically met. We started out doing a Zoom call or doing a podcast for them or whatever, uh, being on a panel. And uh, 
they'd become close buddies that I would do just about anything for and they would do just about anything for me. So while it took me all those years to say I've talked to two and a half million people, Denise, with your experience and knowledge of the Internet, if I had any desire to speak to two and a half million people, you and I could get it done by this time next week. Yep, and we plan so, on it. Yeah, I mean, we're doing so, this for a reason. Yes, the uh, so the everything I'm talking about you can multiply by a hundred, by five hundred, by a thousand if you aggressively do it. When I I don't often leave the uh, the uh, we have an office wing in our house, so when I go over to the office wing, it's like going to the west wing in the White House. Not that big, but it's a separate wing. When I go over there and step out of there to go anywhere outside of the building, I always say to myself, and sometimes out loud just for fun, it's showtime. In other <laughs> words, I am, I'm being viewed now by somebody, a lonely old person in our neighborhood standing on the dresser looking out of the blinds, whatever. I'm on camera. I'm in view this is showtime. When Gigi and I go to a restaurant, I fully expect to have talked to 15 or 20 people before we get out of there and frequently make good friends. I have friends today that I've had for 35, 40 years that I met in a restaurant by, they thought by happenstance. It wasn't. It was with malice and forethought that I market Bengay third. And here's something else it does for you. Not only widens your audience of who you're talking to, it it makes selling so much easier. I have an 86% closing rate on what I call major sales. If you call and order a book and I happen to catch the call, I don't count that. I do count it if you call in to order a book, and by the time we hang up, you've bought 50 or 500 books. That counts. But my 86% closing rate is because the secret of selling. I only sell quality products and services that are competitively priced. They don't have to be the cheapest, but competitively priced. And I spend my day talking to qualified people, qualified religiously, geographically, financially, whatever, whatever it takes to be qualified to buy that product or service. And... Uh, I spend a little time getting myself set up as the resident expert in that call so that when I ask my favorite closing question to you in just a second, that's where the 86% closing rate kicks in. At the worst, it smokes out their final question, and then they buy. And that closing question, if you're inclined to take notes, folks, write this one down. And, and you get the whole concept in the closers part two. Uh, it, it's not as famous as Closers Part One, uh, which has the kicks, the blocks, and the punches of selling. Everybody loves the red meat in it. Uh, but it's a more sophisticated book, and it's frankly a better book. But in the back of the Closers Part Two is a chapter called Sales Infiltration. If you know the meaning of infiltration, you can pretty much figure it out. But after I've gotten myself set up as the resident expert, people buy from people they know, like, trust, and in, uh, with whom they feel safe 
once I've established that, then my great closing question is, well, Bob, uh, based on what we've discussed, here's what I suggest we do. Fill in the blank. Fair enough. And 84 to 85, and then after the follow-up question, 86% say yes. And the 14% who don't, casual investigation over the years, generally don't really object because they they were qualified before I spent my time giving them a sales presentation. It wasn't an objection so much as it was a condition. They don't have the money. And that's fine. Someday they will probably. So I treat everybody fairly, squarely, decently by the rules so that they'll come back. And I told a story the other day, Denise, I believe you overheard it. Uh, I, my first car was a 1936 Chevrolet that I bought for $50 when a neighbor got a new car and put this one out on the curb. And uh, the uh, you car collectors on this call <clears throat> would love to have a 1936 Chevrolet for $50. I suspect now they're fifteen, twenty thousand, or whatever. But 50 when I bought this one was a fair price. A year or so later, I traded it in for a new Volkswagen, 1962 Volkswagen. There I am, underweight, remnants of acne, a flat top in a cheap suit, probably wasn't even a suit, sport coat and slacks. Trading in a car that I got. The good news is I got a $50 trade-in, so I was even in my cash outlay on a brand new Volkswagen, $1,842. And the guy, I think, thought he was doing me a favor to get me out of the old junker and into a nice car and so on. What he didn't realize was and didn't handle it, he didn't do anything wrong, but he he treated me like a broke young man instead of a potential prospect for the future. I then answered that ad with Zig, and my running buddy, my business partner, Jimmy Rucker, and we took off. And rather quickly, we were making $40,000 a month in 1965, $66. That's $400,000 a month now. And I was promoted, won a little contest, to president of the company. And in that position, I bought, leased, bought or leased to give away over six hundred luxury automobiles, Cadillacs, Lincolns, Corvettes, Rolls Royces, Stutz, Bearcats, and so on, over 600. And two salesmen in California got all of that business. Because was I was he treated, one of them? The first no, guy was he? No. I didn't this guy, I don't know his name, but he was at Bill Spring Volkswagen on either Peachtree or West Peachtree Street in Atlanta. And as I said, he didn't do anything terribly wrong. He just didn't do anything terribly right. And the two salesmen I dealt with, and they roughly got 300 cars apiece, the two salesmen I dealt with were sales pros, and they knew how to handle somebody. Uh, In the first uh, call, I went in and looked at the Lincoln, because I thought we'll give away Lincoln's people like back then Lincoln Continentals were as popular, if not more so than Cadillacs and less expensive. So I went in, looked at it, and, and I said, and what are the colors? And he said, well, black is the most popular, thanks to Kennedy. And uh, although his was dark blue, 
But uh, he said, black's the most popular. I said, thank you, and left. And he said, stay in touch. Let me know if I can do anything. My next phone call to him, we were running the contest when I had that conversation, but he treated me well. My next phone call to him was ordering 48 Lincoln Continentals. We had 48 winners of that contest. And he even said, I, uh, I, I don't know if I can do this over the phone. I said, of course you can. The owner of the dealership was a friend of mine. I said, go to Herc and tell him Ben Gay wants 48 Lincolns and ask him what to do. A few months later, he called me back. He said he said to get their shipping addresses. <laughs> so, oh, you know, nice. 48 went to 300, and then we moved to this area, and I started a Cadillac promotion, and the next guy who treated me well got 300 Cadillacs. That's all based on promoting yourself effectively, aggressively, looking for people getting up in front of the room and try, it doesn't have to be about whatever you're selling. Just get up in front of the room and get known. Uh, in this town, I'm, I'm sort of a mixed thing. When I married Gigi, the deal was no local clients. If you come to Placerville, you see that wasn't a great sacrifice. <clears throat> no speeches within 50 miles of home. Uh, she knew my previous wife, and so she'd heard some of the stories. Uh, in, in Tahoe, Lake, South Lake Tahoe, 60 miles away, so it didn't wipe that out. Um, <laughs> and, and and no local I'm, business. Just, Go I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to call Gigi. I don't know this story. So I need to. I need to know. This story. <laughs> don't so tell Gigi to. She's a liar. <laughs> tell her. <laughs> tell her to well, grab look, a cup of tea because Gigi. we're going to chat. Gigi's my third wife. I finally got it right, and maybe they finally got it right. We've been together. Well, we've been together about 30 years. Been married for 25. The first two were about 10 apiece. But as luck would have it, when we moved to this area, the first person my wife at the time, Marcia, has now passed away, met was Gigi and her mother at the church my wife wanted to go to. We just been to a spot, and she felt the need to be in the church. We walked up the steps and met them. So I've known her for many, many years and finally trapped her. And then my second wife, by coincidence, went to school with Gigi. They grew up together. So she had two unfiltered people to go talk to. And therefore, yes, I'd love to marry you, but we have some rules we have to discuss. And we discussed them. In spite of those rules, everything I've told you in that today works, works terribly efficiently. But you have to aggressively do it. It's not something that just, you know, you're a nice guy, so everybody ought to figure that out. Or you're a pretty lady, so people ought to just be gravitated, uh, gravitate towards you. Uh, you not only have to build a better mousetrap, you have to aggressively promote the mousetrap. Become famous, at least in your little world, in your industry, in your company, in your community, become famous. You know what I took away? And thank you for that. You know what I took away from that story, Ben, about the the first auto um, salesperson? Mm Mm-hmm. He he hamstrung himself by not looking forward at potentials, possibilities, consequences of just looking at, oh, if I can get this sale, I can buy a steak dinner tonight. He didn't go past that, did he? No, exactly right. 
Uh, and as I said, he didn't insult me. Neither no. did the lady who checked me out at Walmart four or five days ago. But he treated me like like she did. She doesn't think I'm a big, big part of her future. And she's probably right. I could have been a big oh. part of his future. You know, he was he was just checking me out. $1,842. Thank you very much. Have the keys. Have, here's the keys. Have a nice day. And the next guy who treated me properly, I remembered. He treated me with new respect. I, was, I didn't get any of the money, but I was raised in a reasonably well-to-do neighborhood two blocks out the front gate of East Lake Country Club in Atlanta. I knew how I should be treated. That's how I saw people treated all the time. Uh, I knew the chairman of the board of Coca-Cola, four or five of them in a row, because with that thing came membership at East Lake. So I, I grew up around those people. And if you treat me less than with respect and kindness and so on, I notice it. It's like that's not the way I was raised. And the two car salesmen we were talking about must have been raised properly by somebody because they treated me with respect. And the first guy had no way of knowing what was going to happen. And the second guy knew I'd bought, I'd been successful in the past, but he met me after I'd gone broke and was recovering. So any stories he heard might've been negative, but he treated me like I was a big deal. And to him, I became a big deal. You know, again, I'm, I'm scribbling and, I'm taking away and taking away and I'm scribbling it all down. But what I'm hearing from you, Ben, is that your personality, your personality that you know your worth, and more important than that, you know what you bring to the table, what value you bring to the table. So when you're talking with people and you're on the ground, you sit at Walmart and you're watching and you're observing you're squirreling all that away, but you're also saying, listen, this is what my value is. This is what I can bring to you, whether it's on a podcast or in Walmart or wherever I'm at, I have value and I'll share it with you, but you have to treat me right. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, I was, so yes, it's probably easy for you. I have a high school education, barely. My father said they did it on height. When I got to 5'10", they handed me a diploma to get rid of me. It took me three attempts to get through high school. I got thrown out of the first school I went to, a public school. My father had a little money, so I went to a a private school instead of uh, reform school. Uh, I got thrown out of there and went back to my original high school and graduated barely. I then went to college, and I was elected because of what I'm talking about, getting on, I was elected president of my freshman class. But I was never sworn in because the inauguration was three weeks after the election, and by that time I dropped out. So I have nothing going on in my life except uh, being raised reasonably properly than anybody else has. And for those who might have stories about, yeah, but you don't understand, my business for the past, since 1965, has been working with people who didn't have it, primarily. 95% of them didn't have it. And I taught them in the longer form what I'm trying to share today. 
and many of them have gone on. I have a, a book right here on my desk called Don't Let Your Past Hold You Back by Lamont Bowen, and I've told you about Lamont before. before. I, he's he came your, to a post- your son, right? Yeah, he's adopted. He's your adopted he's, son, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, since we're not doing visual, I can't show you his picture, but you'll notice a slight skin tone difference between the two of us. I'm a pasty white Irishman. He's a jet black. Uh, black gentleman from Southern California. We met when he came to my uh, public speaking class at Lompoc Federal Penitentiary. He was 19, working on a, I think, 10-year sentence and uh, scared to death. And he came up and whispered, Mr. Gay, can I go in there? I'll skip over some of the details, but I brought him into the public speaking class at the front of the room deliberately introduced him to the class and and said, uh, Lamont will now talk to you. And uh, he's not going to have much to say, but I want him to have the feel. He got a standing, he didn't have much to say, he didn't have much inventory, but he got a standing ovation when he was finished. He was a high school dropout, that's assuming he dropped in, uh, and I I can't prove that. Uh, And today, we guaranteed his college loan. He decided he wanted to get his GED. I helped him get that, then guarantee his college loan. Then he called and wanted me to guarantee his law school loan. <coughs> Pardon me. And in neither case have we ever had to lay out a dime, just our signature. I believed in him that much. And then he called a few months ago, I, I think, not too long ago, and said, Dad, I've got a another uh, uh favor to ask. I said, how much is this one going to cost? And he laughed and he <laughs> said, nothing. This is a letter of recommendation. I'm up for a federal judgeship in a new juvenile court they're setting up at the federal level. Can you imagine going in front of Judge Bowen and saying, well, Your Honor, you don't understand. I had a rough start. Lamont was in a gunfight with his stepfather. And as Judge Bowen, I would just love to be there when somebody does the whining, but you don't understand. I do understand. I've been there. I have friends who've been there. I've helped people go from milk truck driver at $600 a month to $360,000 a year back then, over a million dollars a year now, by just changing their attitude and sharing with them some of the things we've talked about today. It's magical. But it does require what Dr. Napoleon Hill was always beating into my head, action. You must take action. You know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. It's true. Putting these things into practice might mean just meeting one additional person before the day's over that you wouldn't have otherwise met, giving them your card, talking to them setting up some reason for them to be back in contact with you. It might be the program chairman at a local service club that will let you come talk about something that would be of benefit to them. And while you're doing it, you get to mention that you are a salesperson with the XYZ company selling great products and that you will personally guarantee any business they do with you. You touched on something a minute ago, Denise, reminded me. People said, well, you know, why should I buy this product versus it? They're almost the same, and they're roughly the same price. And my answer always is, with this product, you get me. Mm-hmm. There's not another exactly. product on earth where you get Ben Gay the third. This is it. You get me. 
if you want to get somebody who will duck your phone calls and so on uh, and, and forget you as soon as the check clears the bank, uh, you don't need me. But if you want somebody like that, here's my business card. Let me flip it over and write my personal cell phone on the back. That rings in my pocket. Nobody else can offer you that. And see, this, what you just described, is why you and I are doing this podcast. I've been doing this podcast for 15 years. I have never had a co-host. I've had you know people offer, and I was like, oh, thank you. No. And then your <laughs> hand went up. I went, Ben, and you called me, do that, and off we went. I mean, that's it was that easy. Yeah, and we didn't have follow-up calls by I can't no. speak for your side, but we didn't have them by accident. I, I told you at some point, I don't want to build a podcast. I don't want to be tied down five days a week or two days a week. What I'm looking for is someone who's already successful, already doing it, and uh, will let me sort of ride on their train, co-host, and lend my name and my credibility and a limited amount of fame to the project. Do you know anybody like that? And what did you say? Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't hear me all the way from southwest Louisiana hollering, (laughs) Ben, call me. (laughs) Well, the feeling is mutual. I can say that to anybody else on the planet but you. And I, uh, and if you hadn't said Ben, uh, it's me, uh, we'd have had that conversation again, and again, oh, and really? again. Yeah. You were prepared to nag me. I like that. Of course. It's called follow up, <laughs> Denise. No, it's called nagging. I've been married. I know what it is. <laughs> you know nagging when you see it. <laughs> I do. I have a computer science degree, but my minor is in reminding, also known as nagging. You okay. faded away. Oh, we lost, I lost. I was going to say, I have a computer science degree, but my minor, I have two minors. One is in sardonic and sarcasm. The other one is in nagging. I'm very good <laughs> at what I do. You know Rob so Ann's bitch. I do, yeah. Yeah. Sarcasm is thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm glad you two didn't get married. One of you would be dead by now. Probably both of you. No, I'd survive. He wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) For starters, he couldn't even date me, let alone marry me. I will never, listen, and I'll say this to anybody who wants to hear it, I will never get married again, ever, ever, ever. I don't play well with others, and I run with scissors, so don't ask. (laughs) I'll make a mental note. Yeah. So, Ben, we've got about five minutes, and I know that the, we were talking about sales infiltration. We've talked about a lot of things, and I have to tell you, I really never even thought, because as you know, I don't consider myself to be a salesperson, but I am, and I yes. know that, but I don't like to admit to it. But I'm not a traditional salesperson. I sell by persuasion. I sell because I'm talking about what I truly believe in. If I don't believe in it, there's no point. I'm not going to discuss it. And you do the same thing. But one of the things that, you know, you you started, I guess, in about the beginning towards the middle, where you're teaching people on this show how to get out in front of people. And it's not like cold calling. It's not 
taking the computer-generated list that the receptionist at your office said, go, go find these people. You are actually telling us to get out, get known, use your personality, use your God-given talents, and help other people. And that's, I don't think what people are really being taught these days, is it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't yeah, sound like it is. Well, among the things that slow them down in that area is the number one site I've read. I always distrust studies, especially if they quote Harvard, since everybody mm-hmm. uses Harvard when they're trying to justify their belief. But I've read many different studies that say, all concluded the number one psychological fear that people have is fear of speaking in public. Speaking, ahead, right. Yeah. Ahead of death by fire. Uh, I, over the years, I have become you know, 10,000 presentations. I've pretty much conquered that. But I have some jitters uh, before I go on, especially with small groups. If it's 1,000 and up, 15,000, 20,000, I can't wait to get on stage. I'm more at home there than in my living room making small talk with Gigi's relatives. Uh, I just can't wait to get on stage. But small groups still bother me a little bit. I did a, a tour in Norway, and one day was 15,000 people, all of their distributors. And the next day, as a favor, the gentleman who sponsored it took me to a junior JC's meeting in a, some building that wasn't terribly impressive, and there were 15 of them sitting around a U-shaped table. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't know if I'll get through this or not. See, a big crowd will save you. Somebody in there thinks you're funny or the joke was funny, and they'll start laughing, and that triggers a few other people. And out of 15,000, if you get 500 to laugh, you look like you're a hit. So I love bigger crowds. But if that fear is in you, well, that's easier said than done. I can't get up in front of the Rotary Club and talk about anything. Yes, you can. I couldn't either when I started. 10,000 appearances ago, 5,000 of which were paid for. Yes, you can. In my case, I just got up and started talking briefly, five, 10 minutes about what I'd done that week because I was talking to fellow salespeople about how to be successful and we were being successful. Uh, But if that's a problem for you, there's Toastmasters. Costs almost nothing to go. Join Toastmasters. If you've got a little more money and time, join Dale Carnegie's public speaking class. Go to charm school if you have to. Everything we've been talking about is a learned skill. comes easier to some people. Zig Ziglar came out of his mother's womb laughing, giggling, and telling jokes. I'm convinced. We weren't all that way, including me. But you can get very good through Toastmasters, Dale Carnegie, if you see that I'm having a public speaking class, I do a few from time to time, join up. We're about out of time, so I'll quit hogging the microphone. We are. Get on podcasts. Listen, podcasting is a form of public speaking. And I get nervous Monday, Wednesday, Friday. With you, I don't, because I know you so well. But every Monday and every Friday, I get a little bit queasy, believe it or not, and I've been doing this for 15 years. But I came across Years ago, it was a TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, and it's about body language. And she did this thing where she'd stand up, 
and she'd put her hands on her hips and she'd do the Wonder Woman pose. Then I do that every time I'm going on my podcast. I'm Wonder Woman. I can do this. Yep. Listen, tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week, if we have anything yet, and where can people find you? Well, uh, next week I'd like to get into the closures part two a little bit. I'll be teaching from it. If you can get, if you don't already have your hands on a book, get one, and you can get one uh, with special pricing and free shipping at stores with an S on the end. Stores dot eBay dot com forward slash Ronzoni Books. R O N Z O N E books b-o-o-k-s they'll ship it out to you the day they get the order signed and dated and everything we offer comes with an unconditional no questions asked money back guarantee excellent and i have been building or rebuilding my personal website denisegriffiths.com which has morphed into the denise and ben website it's all about what we are doing And it's not quite ready yet, but there will be links to the book there. There's going to be links to every podcast that we have put out to date. And, you know, other uh, really fascinating information, if I do say so myself. So don't go there today because I'm still working on it. But it's denisegriffiths.com, and then you can find Ben. Ben, do you want to share your phone number if people want to directly reach you? Sure. Uh, 530-409. Zero zero eight zero. Better Perfect. yet, preface preface that call with a notification in my email that says you're going to call what the subject is and so on. And that email is B as in boy, F as in Frank, G as in gay, the numeral three at directcon.net. Direct D I R E C T C O N dot net perfect that information is also on the brand spanking new denisegriffiths.com ben thank you i will be really looking forward to our chat next week so have a terrific day same to you denise a joy working with you Gigi sends her love and we love you i love you guys too talk to you soon bye get your voice heard If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.